Hi, everybody. Welcome to Outbeat Radio on KRCB Windsor, Santa Rosa, a program that focuses on issues by, for, and about members of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning communities. You can hear Outbeat Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m. This is Living Proof, and we're your hosts. I'm Dr. Diana Grayer, and next to me is my co-host and wife, Sheridan Gold. Tonight, our guests are Lila, who is a retired therapist, married with a son, adult son, and a Sonoma County resident. Hi, Lila Temple. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Um, thanks for having me. I'm a little nervous, but excited to be here. Okay, great. Well, we'll learn more about that nervousness and excitement. Also, we have Kamara Barkyle, who is also Sonoma County residents and has done lots and lots of personal work and recovery. And so we will learn more about that later too. Welcome, Kamara. Thank you, Diana. Nice to be here. And uh, thanks for uh, asking me to do this. We're really looking forward to speaking with both of you in more detail and learning about your lives. But first, here's news and events with Outbeat member and our engineer, Greg, Greg Moralia. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of September 3rd, 2023. As anti-LGBTQ plus legislation has continued to proliferate around the United States, LGBTQ plus youth continue to suffer the brunt of the effects of those bills and laws. A new report shed some light on the impact, finding that almost half of LGBTQ plus youth feel unsafe in at least one place in their school, with more than half of transgender and gender expansive youth reporting the same. The sobering figures came last week from the Human Rights Campaign's 2023 LGBTQ plus youth report. This is a survey of 13,000 young people from across the U.S., and it examines the experience of LGBTQ plus youth from the ages of 13 to 18, from their lives at school and at home to their hopes and fears for the future. When it came to school settings, LGBTQ plus youth reported feeling the least safe in locker rooms and bathrooms. A startling 26% of LGBTQ plus youth and almost 33% of trans youth said they felt unsafe in school bathrooms. These figures only increased for school locker rooms with almost 40% of LGBTQ youth and 49% of trans youth, respectively, reporting feeling unsafe in that setting. Condition for trans students, unsurprisingly, appear to be worsening. According to the Human Rights Campaign, trans youth are now less likely than they were when surveyed in 2017 to present in accordance with their gender identity. They also reported being less likely to have their identities affirmed at school. Other measures of the LGBTQ plus acceptance show declines as well. In 2022, one quarter of trans youth reported that they were always able to express their gender identity at school, down from 31% in 2017. Overall, the report serves as both a sobering reminder of the long-reaching impact of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation and rhetoric on our youth and a reminder that even small measures to support them can make a huge difference. And last week, a federal judge ruled that parents do not have the right to opt their children out of classes because the teacher uses books with LGBTQ characters. The parents protesting insisted that children's books constituted, quote, sex education, end quote. The books included benign picture books like Pride Puppy, a story of a dog that goes to a pride parade, and Uncle Bobby's Wedding, 
a children's book about a family that goes to a same-sex wedding. States across the country are banning discussions of LGBTQ plus people in schools, but not in Maryland. According to the school district's statement in its Inclusive and Welcoming Learning Initiative, the LGBTQ plus inclusive materials are part of the Montgomery County Public Schools effort to cultivate an inclusive and welcoming learning environment and, quote, to create opportunities where all students see themselves and their families in the curriculum materials, end quote. And here locally, come on out to the Rainbow Cattle Company in Guerneville next Tuesday, September 12th, for a Give Back Tuesday supporting Guerneville Pride, which happens on October 13th, 14th, and 15th. The Pride celebration is returning to Guerneville during LGBTQ History Month, and there's something for everyone, including a showing of the Flag and the Map exhibit, a parade down Main Street starting at 11 a.m. on Sunday the 15th, and a tea dance at Johnson's Beach on the same day from 1 to 5 p.m. You can learn more at RussianRiverAlliance.org. And speaking of Flag in the Map, Napa Valley College invites you to a special showing of the exhibit featuring 48 images from around the world of how people are using the Pride Rainbow Flag for activism, visibility, and celebration. This program will feature a special guest speaking program with Mr. Charlie Beale, president of the Gilbert Baker Foundation, and Cleve Jones, an author, famous activist, and creator of the AIDS quilt, among many other things. Cleve took part in creating the original Rainbow Pride flag. This is a critically important discussion in light of the recent hate crime murder in Cedar Glen down in San Bernardino County, where a straight ally was shot and killed for having a Rainbow Pride flag in front of her business. The Flag in the Map exhibit and speaking program are open to the public free of charge. A free ticket is required for the speaking program as seats are limited. It all happens on Friday, October 6th at Napa Valley College, and you can learn more and get your tickets via our website at OutBeatNews.com. For a calendar of LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all the LGBT news headlines we're following, go to our website at OutBeatNews.com. For OutBeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. And if you just joined us, we are talking with Lila Temple and Kamara Barkow. We've been friends with Lila for many, many years, but we saw Lila at the Pride Festival in downtown Santa Rosa. And Lila was with her friend, Kamara, who we just met. And so they both agreed to be on our show. They both are giving each other courage to be on our show. So that's how we got this interview going. And we'd like to hear from both of you all. So. So Lila, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just anything you want us to know? Well, I guess I'll just talk about how I got here to this this show. So I'm 75 years old, about 45 years ago, at least, maybe a little more. I was consulting with a psychic when I lived in Boston, and she said to me, you know, Bob, I was Bob then, and I still am sometimes. She said, Bob you are 50% male and female. She did something with her hand, like showed that was like two two sides of her hand. She said, you're equally male and female. It's kind of sounded right, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't do anything with it. Maybe seven, eight years later, I think around 1985, maybe, I was taking a lot of theater classes. I belonged to a silent clown troupe. So I wore a lot of makeup and costumes. And one day on a whim, I dressed up in my wife's clothes, did my hair, my makeup, jewelry, 
looked in the mirror and was really turned on by what I saw. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty weird. And actually a friend of mine came to the door and I opened the door and he didn't know who I was. It was, it was fun. But then I didn't do anything about it again for a really long time. And about a year and well, two seders ago, I was at your house and at the end of it, you invited people to to talk about what maybe their aspirations were for the coming year. And I just thought, I want to dress up. And uh, I'd been working with a woman who's a Buddhist teacher. Her name is Justine Dawson, a Buddhist teacher and a life coach who specializes in mindfulness approaches to sexuality and other kinds of desire. And the desire that came out of me was to explore more my female or my feminine side. So for the last whatever, whatever this 15, 16 months, I've been going out dressed as a woman, wearing a lot of uh, unisex clothing and started wearing some jewelry and this and that. And it's been quite the inner journey, I would say. It's been in a very intense inner journey. Um, I've got a lot of support. I've got a good therapist. I've got Justine. I've got my friends, including the two of you, who've been really supportive. Kamara, who's been incredibly supportive. And I could say a lot more about what the inner journey is, but maybe I'll say that. It's been transformative, actually, in a lot of great ways. It's been hard. It's been really hard. But it's it's been good. And uh, so I sit here before you uh, as a woman. I recently did a woman's retreat, a Buddhist retreat, actually, which is great. By the way, I chose Temple is actually my mother's family name and was Bob's middle name. I mean, is Bob's middle name. So it just made sense to honor my the, the female side of my family line um, by taking that as my middle name. And Lila is actually the name that I wanted to name my son if he had turned out to be a girl when he was born. And so it seemed like the, the, just the right name, Lila Temple. So anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. Wow, there's so many questions in that. Uh, and we're looking forward to learning more about those parts of you because, you know, we out of the loop, we haven't seen you and heard those stories. So, wow, that's beautiful that you're on this journey. But we want to hear a little bit more from you, Kamara. Anything else you would like to share as far as who you are and uh, what you're all about? And then we'll go deeper into those questions. Okay, well, I was looking a little bit uh, yesterday at my history and trying to understand how I came out because it was a very busy, vague time in my life and I got some clarity on it. And I think my first indication that I had an attraction to women was I had a crush on my kindergarten teacher. And then I was in love with my best friend in high school and college, a woman. But I did not know any of that or any of the other little indications that I had because I lived in the Midwest in a very Christian-oriented family, and I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a lesbian until I moved to California when I was 23. And by the time I was 25, I was all this time I'd been involved with boys and men, and uh, when I was 25, I was involved with a man who offered to get married. And I told him I didn't think I could because I thought I might be a lesbian. 
And then it took about eight more years from then to get involved with the lesbian community and to come out of denial and to get involved with my first girlfriend. I did that when I was 30, got involved with her. So I've had two women girlfriends and I actually spent the last 15 or 16 years single, but still living as a lesbian in my heart and in my connections to the world. Is there a reason for the? 16, 15 years of not being in relationship? After my second relationship, it was so painful for both of us. Uh, we both had so much trauma and difficulty that wasn't yet dealt with that I really felt like I needed to focus on my recovery in order to get ready to ever do that again. So that's what I've been doing. And I just have not been ready or wanting that until... About this spring, I started opening up emotionally to that possibility again a little more. And um, I don't know that I'm ready for a partner, but I might be ready for dating and, and certainly getting more involved in the lesbian community. So you talk about recovery and I didn't know, you know, I want to be sensitive to how much you want to share about that part of your life. For me, I have uh, some addictions that I've dealt with through uh, spiritual 12-step work and also a lot of childhood trauma that I've been working towards healing and I'm starting to feel like I'm uh, moving out of reaction to that and more into my adult life now. Beautiful. So we're curious, we're going to dive deeper, but I'm curious about your relationship, how you met, how you become good pals and friends or whatever you call yourselves, because clearly you're very supportive of one another. I mean, that's a great feeling I'm, I'm getting from both of you. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, we met in a self-help meeting that we both attended, but we didn't have any other contact. But, but in one meeting, Kamara shared about something about self-hatred. And I'd never heard anybody speak so nakedly and vulnerably about that. And it blew my mind because it triggered in me that I had that, that I hadn't ever really quite looked at. I mean, some, you know, self-esteem or whatever. And it led to a huge opening for me. And I felt, I don't know, I'm not sure how it was that we end up deciding to talk to each other. We just start talking to each other on the phone and then more and more and more and and now we talk to each other an hour, twice every week, at least. And it's been great. It's been great. And sometimes I come over here and we have our meeting here and I at her house and I dress up and we hang out. We went to uh, Santa Rosa Gay Pride together. We went to, to a San Francisco Gay Pride with a couple of gay men friends we, we have. And uh, I don't know, she just like feels like a soulmate in a way. And I would, oh. <laughs> you know, it caught me by surprise because <laughs> I've been sitting in meetings with you all that time. And I never would imagine that this would happen. Until, I know. I had no idea until she idea. shared that. And it blew me up in a uh, great way. So yeah. that's how we met. And I would not have given him the time of day because he was a guy and I mostly just ignore men most of the time. <laughs> but he moved towards me and we had this incredibly great emotional connection pretty quickly and we're able to really support each other and that grew. So Lila, in this particular meeting that you talked to Kamara that first time, you were dressed as Bob. What did you say to Kamara besides the self-hatred stuff to let her know that you were a safe person, that she didn't have to fear you as maybe other men bothering her and things like that? What made you different? 
don't know. Well, you'd been hearing me share in meetings. I mean, you kind of had a sense. She's kind of had a sense of who I was because we'd, I mean, we'd been in meetings together for a couple of oh, years, wow. probably before that. So, you know, she had a sense of who I was from that. And I had a sense of who she was, but did, there was no personal connection, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I did have a little sense of who he was, but I was quite cautious at the beginning until I needed some help with something in particular with a friendship that I was having trouble with. Well, and I right. talked to him about it and um, he agreed to help me with that. And so sure. we we worked on that together for about six or eight months, something like that. And then th that turned into a equal friendship where yeah. we really supporting that's right other. yeah i left that out that's true yeah did you come out as lila to kamara at the very beginning uh yeah i mean you know 16 months ago or something yeah i did right but I mean, you, he didn't even know that about himself oh way back then point. i didn't know yeah when i met her i didn't i was several years before i came out as lila yeah i'm only been out as lila for about 16 months so, so yeah no i'm talking to her about it right away because she's somebody i talked to about just about everything, everything. <laughs> and like yes yeah, so not much we don't talk to each other about so. so this group that you all go to you don't have to give any I know it's confidential but I'm just want to get the umbrella of it all is it for LGBTQ plus people or just anyone no no anybody oh really oh okay so as far as I knew he was just a straight man in the meeting right as far know. as I knew too Yes, and as far as you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that, Lila. <laughs> and, and you know, it's interesting. It's like, I am straight if you talk about uh, sexual preference. Um, I'm very happily married to my wife, and I've always been attracted to women, not to men. And I'm clear that's who I am. In fact, what I say is that I'm developing my inner lesbian because I'm helping my female self and I'm into, I'm into women. So, and I'm into women too. So we have the lesbian thing in common. Yeah, it works. It works. So speaking of you being happily married, Lila, you're married to a woman. And yeah. how is she taking all of this? Well, it's been a journey for both of us. It's been hard. She freaked out in the beginning because it was not what she come to know for, well, we've been together 44 years. So I was quite the shock. You know, it really boiled down to her being afraid that this meant I was going away somehow. I was gay. I was trans. I was basically leaving her was sort of at the bottom of her. I mean, that's what we would end up realizing was her fear and understandable because it's like not what she'd come to expect. It's been a process and she's been great. It's been hard for her. It's been hard for some of the conversations. It's been hard for both of us. But, you know, she's been fantastic, actually. And now she's, um, she's. I mean, she's been very supportive all along. She would just have the occasional freak out. And uh, now I dress, I dress at home sometimes. Not the full look, not the hair, not the breasts, but I wear women's clothes at, at home. And, and I also have a, son at home with a young adult son and it's a little weird for him too but they're both been great about it even though we make space for the fact that it's weird for them and it's not easy and so we can talk about it and that helps a lot that helps me a lot i would i should say to know that they they're not rejecting me and and i have space for them to have trouble with it you know and i don't i don't demand that they get over it or anything because that would that wouldn't be very loving on my part 
recently we went to a dinner party and and I dressed what I kind of call a fusion look, you know, and I had some makeup, I had some jewelry, I had some clothes, we were basically women's clothes, but it could have passed either way. And my wife for the first time said, wow, you really look good. Yes. <laughs> I, I almost fell down. <laughs> I don't know how she <laughs> felt, but it felt, it felt fantastic, actually. Yeah. It felt fantastic. So, yeah. Wow. Beautiful. I'm glad that that's going smoothly for you, you know, better than you probably expected. I wouldn't say smoothly. I would say it's been bumpy, but it's it's going and it gets, it gets better all the time. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, compared to what I've heard, you know, reactions people have and separation people have. This is good. Excellent. Yeah. No, no I feel grateful. I feel grateful, you know, because there were moments where I wasn't sure if she was going to stick around for it. And then I would I have to make a choice. And then there were moments where I thought, I don't know, you know, it feels like too much part of who I am that I had to not express even to myself for 74 years. And I didn't know. Anyway, I'm glad I didn't have to make that choice. That would have been incredibly painful either way, because I don't want to, you know, I'm in love with her and I've been in love with her for 44 years. I'm not willing to let go of that easily either. So so you, you mentioned your mindset focusing, directing you toward a lesbian. So how do you identify yourself? You're moving toward you feel like you're trans or you just how do you identify? Oh, yeah. Good question. I, I don't feel like somebody who's, a, you know, a woman trapped in a man's body. I don't feel trans and I, I'm i not gay. I, I feel like I'm both. I recently saw that wonderful documentary called Everybody that's made by Julia Cohen, who made the, the well-received documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, it was at the Rialto Cinema in Sebastopol, and Terry Gross interviewed Julia Cohen and one of the people who were featured in it. It was featured three intersex people. It's, it's about intersex. And these are all people who are born with anatomical or chromosomal anomalies. You know, they're sort of sort of male, sort of female, and or they look one way and they're anyway, it's fantastic. I encourage everybody to see it. It's called Everybody. And I'm watching that movie and towards the end, and I was really in it. And then towards the end of it, I thought, oh, anatomically, as far as and chromosomally, I don't think I qualify as intersex, but I thought, oh, my brain is intersex. My mind is intersex. Cause that's how I feel. I I feel just as female as I do male. And that helped me somehow to think of myself, oh, this is just how my brain is, you know, because there's so much misogyny in the culture so much misogyny and you 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 start doing what i'm doing and you feel ashamed of yourself and i was like well what is that and it's been really hard and it's misogyny i get it it's internalized misogyny so i fight that all the time all the time and it's getting slowly better i'm slowly getting to the place where i'm like yeah i'm female and i'm proud and it's hard to be Me proud too. yeah <laughs> And I don't want to take up all the time, but I just want to say it's hard to be proud of myself as a male. I've been dealing with a lot of shame and a lot of grief lately about my male privilege, my arrogance, my lack of humility, stuff that shows up in subtle ways. You can ask my wife. Other people don't see it so much. And I have a lot of grief about it. And I'm that's a hard one. I'm working on that right now. But, you know, I like my female self better than I like my male self is the, is the truth. And uh, that's a switch because for a long time I like felt bad about, oh, 
you know, the, the, the misogyny I was talking about that I've had to work through. And I think I've gotten to the point where I can feel good about being female to the degree that I am and not good about a lot of the baggage that comes with being, you know, socialized as a man in this, in this, you know, misogynist culture. I'm, I'm just thinking about that, uh, what you just said, Lila, about the misogyny and your ability to see yourself more as Lila. I mean, feeling more appreciative of a woman, being a woman. It took you so long to come out because you had that feeling of uh, hating women or not misogyny. I wouldn't say hating women, but maybe that was some of the, the breaks. I'm going to put on the breaks here because of that fear. I'm just curious. I'm just kind of eliciting from you. Well, I think so. I mean, I think that that was not an acceptable thing to think about mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. all these years. I mean, actually, I mean, I worked as a therapist. I spent a lot of time with women in my life, and I spent a lot of time talking to people about their feelings, and I worked a lot with kids. I worked a lot with women. So I was sort of developing that part of myself, but I wasn't thinking of myself as it being a female aspect or a feminine aspect, and I certainly wasn't expressing it physically. Some of this came off of a psilocybin trip, honestly, a therapeutic psilocybin trip. I have my own early abuse trauma history, and as part of that, I did a psilocybin trip, and I it was like I woke up my senses in some way and I, I really wanted to like get into clothes and jewelry and makeup, <laughs> women's shoes. I like the colors. I like the textures. I like it, you know, and so I am expressing that side of myself physically in a way that really gives me a lot of joy, honestly, that I didn't have in my life. I mean, I had joy of different kinds, but not that kind. And this is pretty cool, you know. And I have lovely women friends like Kamara who do my makeup and stuff. <laughs> Kamara, what what Kamara is doing your makeup? You say? Yeah, yeah Kamara, oh. she did my makeup today. <laughs> oh wow, wonderful! Not so good at it, but she's great at it. <laughs> He's learning. He's learning how to do that. But but I've been doing it. You know, my whole life I started doing it as a teenager, of course, and that's kind of you know how I was socialized to be a a young woman was to wear makeup and to be pretty for the boys and all of that. So, so I now pass that on to Bob. <laughs> we really, really want to get into your story, Kamara, but we do have to take a music break right now. And after our music break, I have a lot of questions for you. I, both of us have like, how were you raised? And you talked about being from a Christian background and how did that play into the homophobia that existed and stuff. So after our music break, we're going to come back and explore that your life with the listeners. Lila, you brought a song today. Could you introduce it and tell us why you brought it? Well, I think I used the word joy a minute ago. It's called Overjoyed. It's by uh, Stevie Wonder. And uh, it's just a song that just every time I hear it, it opens my heart, makes me happy. It was played at my wedding. Um, so it has a special meaning to me, but it's about joy and joy has been really hard for me. You know, and I feel like I'm opening up to a different kind of joy. I certainly had it with my son and my wife, but just to kind of walk around having more experiences of it is happening lately. And so that's why I picked this song. We'll be listening to it with different ears this time. Enjoy Overjoyed by Stevie Wonder. See you on the other side. Time I've been building my. 
This is Living Proof. If you just joined us, this is Diana and Sheridan, and we are interviewing our wonderful guests tonight, Lila Tempo and Kamara Barkow. Welcome back, everyone. And Kamara, we left off before our song, which was Overjoyed by Stevie Wonder. We were talking a little bit about wanting to get inside you in your life and how it was to be raised in your family. So if you could Give us some more in-depth descriptions about what life was like for you, Kamara. Well, I was raised in a liberal Christian church where my dad was a minister. He had four different churches when I was growing up. 
All of them are with United Church of Christ. And my mom was very involved in the church community as a choir director and a minister's wife of the little kids, little choir director kids. And um, so I just was raised in this community. All my family, extended family and close family are people who believe in Christianity and live Christian lifestyles. And I did too. And I grew up thinking that I was straight. I didn't even know there was something else other than straight. And I was very involved with boys and men. And when I came to California, when I was 23, I started my recovery process. And Within that first year, I started noticing that I was, now that I did not have an active addiction going on, I started noticing more feelings inside of myself where I was fascinated with some of the women around me and was living in San Francisco and was being exposed to the fact that there was the possibility that there were people living gay lives. And so it was a process for me over the next seven years or so of coming out to myself as getting involved with the lesbian community and starting a relationship with a woman. What messages did you receive as a young girl in your family around homophobia? You say your dad was a minister, but what was it like? It just was never discussed. It was just everyone's straight. Everyone marries a man. Everyone has children. Everyone grows up and is a woman and probably has a job and raises kids in a straight family and goes to church. And that's what everyone does. It just didn't occur to me that there was anything else. And my parents are liberal Christians. And when I came out to them, their response was beautiful and wonderful and supportive. And I was shocked by it. And my and my dad said to me, because he was a minister, he said, if you ever want to marry a woman, and I would be happy to be the minister at the ceremony. And he said that to me numerous times. And uh, that's an incredible gift to me that he would be willing to do that. And my mom supports that and thinks that's wonderful. So I felt really great about the support I've gotten from my parents, but it's been challenging for me with my sister and brother-in-law and niece because they've gone a little more conservative and believe that the Bible, I think they believe, I I don't know because they've never told me, but I think they believe that the Bible says gay marriage is not acceptable. And that's been very painful for me to not be accepted in that aspect of myself with them. When I was in my second relationship with a woman, there was an opportunity for us to go to the civic center and to be married uh, at the civic center when we were kind of trying to protest the fact that that wasn't an opportunity really for gays. And so kind of as a political statement, my girlfriend and I went and did that. And my mother came and supported that. And my father would have come, didn't really understand what was happening. I think he would have happily come. But I did invite my sister at the time, and she chose not to come for her religious reasons. And that was a very big wound in my heart for a long time. So sorry, is she your older sister or younger sister? Younger sister. A younger sister. 
I'm very welcome in their house and in their family in in all other ways in my life. And I just have chosen not to share that aspect of my life. It's been fairly easy because I haven't had a girlfriend to feel like I needed to bring home during this time. But I have always wondered if I did, what that would be like. Would I be welcome? Would I be allowed to be with my girlfriend around my niece, who I is beloved to me, and my sister and brother-in-law are beloved to me? I just don't know how welcome I am. Sorry to hear that, but very happy to hear your mom and your dad to be there by your side. And willing to. I, I'm sorry. I just realized I forgot to say my son um, has been raised in the gay community and he's incredibly welcome. And he just got married uh, two weeks ago uh, to a woman. And I was able to be there and be out. There was a trans person, a couple of gay people. There was uh, his, uh, it's complicated, but he has another family. And there was his uncle was there who's a gay man and and my dad actually was the minister for that ceremony and everyone was included so it was really wonderful situation was your sister and brother-in-law did they attend the wedding actually they all would have been there and my sister and niece were there but my brother-in-law had covid and could not come was planning to come so it's not like it's a total black and white situation it's Definitely, um, I'm I'm loved by them, and I experienced that. Wonderful. Tell us about your son. We didn't know you had a son. Um, my son is uh, 31 and uh, just married his beautiful, uh, smart, feisty, strong wife, who I think is wonderful. And um, I got to go to Washington State, and they got married in Olympia two weeks ago, so. That was great. And I was included in that. And so this is the son from your marriage? So when I was 25, I had a son with a, a man and uh, we were not married. And I told him at that time that I was not able to get married because I thought that I was probably a lesbian. But we had a child together and I raised him for the first two years of his life. And then he was he went to live with his godparents who eventually adopted him. And myself and my parents were included in the raising of him, but they raised him for the rest of his growing up. And they were wonderful parents. And I'm so grateful for their including me and my parents and continuing to raise him in such a supportive, wonderful way for him. Well, what a story. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have, we both have quite the dramatic stories. <laughs> wow. It's wonderful that you found each other for mutual support. Yeah. So Lila, you talked about going on your first women's retreat. And so we, we would like to learn more about the journey you've been taking because we haven't heard much about your discovery of yourself, this other part of yourself. Well, it was, I think I mentioned Justine Dawson, who I've been working with every other week for a couple of years. At some point, she just said, hey, I'm doing this women's retreat. And I'd be happy to have you there. And it was, it kind of blew my mind, actually, because pushed all my buttons, you know, go to a women's retreat. And I was like, they would want me there. And she said, Oh, yeah. She said, I want you there. And they'll, you know, and uh, she said, Well, we've we had someone there who was transitioning. 
And I said, but that's not me. And she said, that's fine. So I did. I went about a month ago. It's in LA. I was Zooming with some people and then there were people in person. It was uh, called Desire Voice Power. And um, there was a lot of meditation. There was some, there was a lot of small, like one-on-one stuff. And the biggest thing for me was I was fearful that I wouldn't be included by the women there. And what I realized in the course of the, the day was that it was I that was not willing to include myself there. And that changed in the course of the day. I was totally accepted and welcomed. And that it was transformative in a certain way that all these women identifying, you know, going there to, to work together as women included me. And it just helped me accept myself more. Again, the biggest, I, I come back, to, I said what I said before, the biggest thing is just dealing with internalized misogyny. Like, why would a man want to take on an identity of a lesser grade of human being, which is what misogyny says, right? So- I've got that. I've internalized that and I deal with it all the time. And again, lately, I feel like I'm coming out of it and I have more empathy for what it is to be a woman. Because when I dress up and go out, people see me as a woman and I'm scared and I can feel it. I can feel the, mis- the misogyny in the world. And I can feel the danger that exists for women. And it's been really an incredible education and a kind of awakening to me of what the experiences of being a woman. I don't have it totally, obviously, but more than I ever got as a guy, even though I thought I got it, you know, it's one thing to think you got it and understand it in your head. It's another thing to actually live it to some degree and then have a whole bunch of experiences and emotions. And I've cried a lot in the last year and a half about this. And I've had a lot of shame, a lot of grief about the loss of this for my whole life, you know, that I didn't was not able to develop this part of myself the way I have lately. But I'm incredibly grateful that I got to do it while I'm still on earth, because who knows when you're 75, you don't know what's, how much time you got left. So I'm going to enjoy this as much as I can for as long as I have. When you're Lila, Lila, when you embody Lila, can you describe the feeling to us when you're in that essence? That's a good question. The qualities that I'm able to access more, and not just when I'm dressed, but you know, now I can just drop into Lila. They have to do with humility, kind of vulnerability, kind of openness, a kind of other focused in a different way, kind of sweetness, kind of sensitivity. I'm more emotional. I like it. I really like that, those qualities that I'm able to access more readily because of Lila. And I honestly wish I could be non-binary and maybe I'll get there. But after 75 years of being, you know, brainwashed in the binary, you know, narrative, I don't know how to do that. So I think of male and female, you know, the young people can kind of go, oh, I'm non-binary. That should, those terms are irrelevant to me because I know some of those 20 year olds, you know, and I'm envious of that. I don't know how to do it. I can think I'm male and I'm female or I'm male or I'm female, I'm male and I'm female. And I'm, you know, more and more it feels integrated and I can kind of feel how, oh, I'm just me. But the way I'm getting there is like, sometimes I'm, I look like Bob and sometimes I look like Lila and sometimes I can feel what I call my sort of Lila self and sometimes I can feel my Bob self. And that's just the stage of the process that I'm in. You know, I wish I was I wish I was 20 starting this again. <laughs> Be easier in this day and time, I think, than it was, you know, growing up where I was because I took a lot of 
there were, you know, when I was an adolescent, people perceived some of these qualities in me and punished it. I experienced hazing and bullying. And a lot of it, when I look back on it, had a kind of homophobic, misogynist, you know, quality to it. I was an athlete and I took a lot of shit in the locker rooms. I keep remembering the quote from Tootsie, a movie that I love so much. But at the very end, when his love interest finds out that he's really a man and he's trying to apologize to her, he said something like, I've been a better man to you as a woman than I ever will be as a man. And you both are shaking your heads and affirming that. So tell me what that means to you. Kamara, tell me what that means to you. Well, I remember when he said it. And when I heard it, I was straight as far as I knew. And yet it rang true for me. Like there was something about him learning how to be a friend through the perspective of a woman and how that's a different character of friend possibly than it might be a friend as a, as a man. Like you learn how to treat people differently as a woman in our culture, I think, and more consciously and more sensitively and less self-centeredly. And that is something that I'm both trying to get away from and something that I'm trying to be at the same time. Say more about that. What What yeah. do you mean? Well, as, as a woman in this misogynistic culture, I have learned to be my strongness, my, myself, my strength, my, I tend to think of it as kind of my more butch pers persona that takes up a little more space, has a little more confidence, is a little more self-centered, is a little more strong in my presence in the world. I want to be that and also in my relationships still be kind and compassionate and sensitive to the people around me. And that's really important to me too. And I feel pulled between being the more feminine aspect of myself and the more butch aspect of myself in those two ways. Very interesting. interesting. Thank you, yeah. Kamara. Lila, you, you were going to say something about the Tootsie quote that I presented. Oh, yeah. Well, I kind of referenced it a bit earlier. It's like these days I kind of respect those Lila qualities, for lack of a better way to refer to them, more than I do some of my male stuff, honestly. And I think, you know, it's made me a better partner to my wife. I think she would agree with that. I'm more in touch with my whole self. I'm happier. Well, that right there, that translates into showing up better. I'm more comfortable with myself. I think I'm less arrogant. I think I'm, I have more empathy, you know, for her experience in some ways. And I catch the male privilege leaking out of me, you know, quicker and, or I don't do it at all as much. I'm also, I'm a bit quieter and a little more, sensitive like maybe i mean i've always been some but i'm not so defensive either if we get into a disagreement i you know like as a guy you can't lose the argument you know you can't look bad like that 
so I would get into mansplaining or whatever. Now, if I find myself mansplaining, I'm on it in a second. You know. Yeah, he used to do that some in our relationship, and we talked yeah. about it. And he's been very much more sensitive about noticing when that starts to happen and going, "Oh, wait, I'm doing that again." You know, <laughs> and um, you know, pulling back on that. For me, something you just said, oh, I'm trying to hold it in my brain about taking up space. Yeah. Um. Like as a woman, I tend to hide myself. And as as I'm healing, as I'm becoming more butch, more myself, more a strong woman, I'm taking up more space. I'm speaking more and being more honest. And um, you're more assertive with more, me. Am I more? Yeah. And, and I hear you talking about being more assertive with other people. Yes. Too. Be more. Assertive. Yeah. And that feels great. And brings me joy. To, when I take up more space, I'm more of who I am. It brings me joy. So, Kamara, you can take up more space and also be soft as well, can't you? Yes, absolutely. I, I just, and I am, because that's who I am. I, I, I am. I, I am kind of a soft presence in the world. In order to kind of get in touch with my strength, I tend to lean a little more emotionally stronger, which feels a little harder to me. Like it feels too dangerous to be as soft as I would want to be in my home with my friends and family as I might be like, I need to have a little more uh, boundary, emotional boundaries in the world to be out in the world as strong as I want to be. Okay. Thank you for that. What are you both wanting and hoping on your coming out journey right now? Because I think you both are on a path for something. I want to be me. I, I want to be all of me in the world, in my life, in myself. I want to tell myself the truth, tell the world the truth about who I am. I want to think and feel and say and act in accordance with my real honest being. And I move closer and closer to that the older I get and the more recovery I get. And the more I do that, the happier and more joyful I am inside of myself and in my world. And I, I think also uh, bring good things into the world more. You know, I think that helps other people feel like they can do that as well. And it inspires people and um yeah it inspires me <laughs> that's wonderful 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 lila i think i just want to have more ease of acceptance you know it's been mm -hmm. it's been hard every time i would dress up i would be both thrilled and ashamed and scared you know and i i want it to get easier and easier and have it just be kind of a normal thing of like this is who i am and be able to dress more in my house the way i want to and i'm doing that gradually slowly but surely and i have that and then i also <laughs> this came out of the, the the women's retreat i want to be a little more colorful when i dress i have a, I have a women friend a woman friend who i've gone shopping with a few times and she dresses really kind of colorfully and creatively and and i'll pull out some gray thing off the rack you know and she'll just look at me like really <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know so i want to be i want to be not afraid to be more colorful dare i say more glamorous i don't know i'm playing with it but um 
those are my two aspirations. One is to get more comfortable, more accepting and loving of this part of myself. And then, you know, have more fun with it. Be a little more colorful. Beautiful, beautiful. And I wish you both all of that, what you want. You're on the path. And I'm glad that you have each other. So we have like seconds. And so we want to give you the opportunity because there might be other people out there like you uh, who are on this journey of finding yourselves and coming out and being your authentic selves. So just one piece of advice that you would offer the listeners, what would that be, Lila? Don't do it alone. Lots of support. Find support. Don't sit there inside your little self suffering and being scared. And, you know, if you get a lot of support and there is a lot of support, I've been blown away by the support, mostly from my gay friends initially. And then, you know, also my wife and other people that's you have to you have to have a lot of support. And then it turns into like great, just a great process, even though it's tough, but you can do it and it'll it'll light up your life. It'll make you happy. Mm, thank you so much, Kamara. Um, I was going to say the same thing. Surround yourself with tons of support. When I didn't have support during COVID, I hid in my house during Trump days. I was so everything that was happening out in the world was Trump. And I was terrified alone in my house trying to be gay. And that didn't work. But actually, there's this movie called Dumplin' that is a Jennifer Aniston movie that she was in. And there's a line in it that I try to read now every day that says, figure out who you are and do it on purpose. And I've been trying to do that since I heard that, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do coming up. Wow. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you both so very much for your time. It's time to say goodbye. And remember, like Lila and Kamara, you too can be living proof that through being visible and telling your story, you can make this world a better world. This is Diana and Sheridan, and we will be back next month. Until then, good night. I step out of the ordinary. I can feel my soul ascending. I'm on my way. Can't stop me now. And you can do the same. Yeah. What have you done today to make you feel proud? It's never
Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCB-FM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free-range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken. Air-chilled, non-GMO, locally raised right here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at rockyandrosie.com. You're listening to 104.9 KRCB-FM Roner Park and KRCG-FM Windsor, Sonoma County's NPR station. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Beale Street Caravan is next.